Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Paying homage to Guns N' Roses today, uh, which, by the way, I don't know if anybody's seen the new Thor movie. I know, Derek, you can hop on here, right? Oh, absolutely. You were digging it, right? Oh, I, mean, I always they, do. They, I, I never G- miss a Marvel movie. They had well, you and my son Hudson. Now, you love it, but GNR was all over. Oh, absolutely. It was awesome. It was great. All right, good stuff. It is currently 1233 in Edmonton. Some guests and orders now receive guest certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring the night of the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. You're going to hear a couple coaches on the show over the next couple days. Uh, momentarily, we're going to hook up with Keith McCambridge. He's the new assistant coach of the Bakersfield Condors. And we should tell you that Brad Lauer, who led the Edmonton Oil Kings to the WHL Championship, uh, he has left um, the Oilers Entertainment Group and is going to join the Winnipeg Jets. He's going to be on Bones staff, Rick Bonessa's staff. And we mentioned Winnipeg because that was one of the stops where our next guest, Keith McCambridge, was a head coach for in the American Hockey League. Keith, it's Bob Stoffer. How you doing? I'm doing good, Bob. How you doing? Good. I've heard a lot about you over the years. Uh, as you know, I, I work with Jack Michaels. He's coming on the show a little bit later on. Uh, and you worked up with Jack up in Alaska. Uh, and so he, he's always spoke uh, glowingly about you. So uh, I, I got to tell you, uh, you have a super important role. You're going to be coaching the defense. And the Oilers have got some young developing prospects on the back end. And because of how a salary cap works these days, Keith, these guys are critical uh, for the orders uh, to, to develop. And, it, and I'm wondering whether or not maybe that's some of the, one of the things that's changed a little bit in the AHL, just um, how much focus uh, there is on, on prepping guys and getting them ready because you have to have players coming in on ELCs these days in a cap system. Yeah, no, I agree, Bob. It's, uh, it hasn't changed too much from, I know you mentioned the Winnipeg Jets before, fortunate enough to work in that organization for X amount of years. Uh, They were in that developmental curve of trying to develop young guys, Uh, was able to work with uh, and help your players like Ben Sherratt, uh, Josh Morrissey, the same mold, building those guys from the CHL to the American League and up. Uh, And then the same, going to the New York Rangers and, uh, and having the opportunity to work with some of those young defensemen, some of those guys as you mentioned, that you need those young players to uh, to take a bite out of those big minutes and play in those uh, those pressure playoff games. Ryan Lindgren uh, was one, and Neil Pionk actually crossed over between both with the uh, now with the Winnipeg Jets, but was in that uh, 
that Rangers organization as well. But this is something that really was exciting for me as well. As you mentioned, there's some really good defensemen on the back end. As a coach that's been in the development uh, uh, stages for a long time here with working with young defensemen, uh, that's a big part that drew me to this position. You know, I don't think the head coach necessarily has to have NHL experience, but I do think that if you're going to coach the defense, it'd be really beneficial if you played the position. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Definitely a fair assessment. It would be like a, like a goalie coach uh, trying to teach a goalie his different movements and how to get his angles right when he's never played the position. Until you know as a defenseman when there's a big six-foot-six winger chipping the puck behind you and chasing you down and where your outs are going to be, where your pressure points are going to be, little tricks of the trade, uh, it definitely helps to be able to uh, have played in those in those situations as a defenseman before. How does it change for you? Uh, you know, you... You've been a head coach for two different American Hockey League teams in the Jets and the Rangers organizations. Now, last year, correct me, were you not in Vancouver last year in the Western League? I was, yeah. Yeah, in the CHL in the Western League, yeah. Yeah, you worked with Mike Dick last season. You guys pulled off a a major upset in the first round of the playoffs. But just just, does it change for a guy when you go from being the head coach to, to being an assistant or an associate, Keith? You know, maybe the first time when, uh, you know, when I went from being with, uh, with the um, Winnipeg Jets, their American League team as a head coach, and then going to the, uh, to the AHL with Hartford for the first year as an assistant, it's a little bit of adjustment, but I've done it a couple times now. And now I'm coming from being a, um, in the CHL as an associate coach here with Vancouver, and then now going back to the American League as an assistant. Uh, so it doesn't change much for me. Just the, the athletes are a little bit more polished than I've been dealing with the last couple of years going into the pandemic. Uh, and an opportunity, uh, Bob, to work with really good people. You know, just in the, in the time here before the draft and into the draft, having an opportunity to meet with Colin, uh, sit down and talk with him. Seems like a really intelligent coach and, and lots of passion, lots of knowledge. Uh, and then having an opportunity to meet with uh, Keith Gretzky, uh, same Ken Holland taking the time to uh, to talk as well at development camp, and uh, Sly Rodriguez as well. It was really good for me as a new guy coming in, uh, first to meet everybody uh, before obviously taking the position, and then to have an opportunity to jump into development camp and really dive in and get my feet wet with, uh, was excellent. Now, you had somebody, Craig Heisinger, that, uh, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, oversaw the Jets, and you guys are right there for the final year when you are in Manitoba. Is it different when you're, you know, you're out in St. John's versus right in Winnipeg uh, with the Manitoba Moose? And I'm bringing this up because right now the only Canadian team that's got an American Hockey League affiliate in the U.S., are the Edmonton Oilers in Bakersfield. The other six Canadian teams have all moved their uh, HL farm teams uh, into Canada, and some of them are right in their own backyard. So uh, do you think that, I mean, you've, you've had a lot of experience as an AHL head coach. Is it different when the farm team isn't in the uh, home city? I, I've seen both. I've seen where you're, um, you know, when we were in St. John's, Newfoundland, the teams in Winnipeg, and at that time the Jets were playing in the Western Conference, so it was a real hurdle for guys to, when they got called up from St. John's, they had to meet the Jets in, uh, in L.A. Uh, they're getting in right before warm-up and trying to perform at their best and try to get two points for the Winnipeg Jets. So that was an adjustment. So bring the team closer into Manitoba in the same building was obviously a benefit. Uh, but this you're talking Bakersfield to Edmonton, uh, not as, as big of an extreme with difference, but um, you do have the opportunity when you're in the American League and you're in a different building 
uh, you know, you have that chance where you're kind of your your own identity. You're obviously doing the same kind of mold and philosophies and systems that the uh, that the Edmonton Oilers want to do. Uh, but there's uh, that carrot at the end where you know what we're in Bakersfield, and the carrot is uh, instead of traveling on the bus. Uh, and going back and forth there and, and being in a, an American Hockey League uh, rink in Bakersfield, which is a nice rink. I've been in that before. Uh, that carrot is obviously uh, the Edmonton Oilers, the, the main dressing room, the charter jets. There's that drive, that motivation to be, you know what, I want to get into that building. I want to get into that dressing room. So there's, there's pros and cons to both. Um, but this being as close with regards to, uh, you know, you're uh, in that same, there's not a big difference there with regards to travel Bakersfield to Edmonton. Uh, it's not as extreme as I've seen before with your, your likes like St. John's in, uh, in Winnipeg. We're talking a long time uh, pro uh, coach. Keith McCambridge, uh, in your playing career, uh, you started off as a as a pro player playing for the likes of uh, Paul Baxter and Chris McSorley. I think we know what unique skill set they possessed when they played. Uh, but you ended up with Peter Laviolette and Todd McClellan later on. I'm just wondering who were some of the uh, and I I know you had Rob Dom with you in the Swift as well. who was a pretty good technical coach. But was there were there a couple coaching influences for you, Keith, along the way? Yeah, definitely. Those are those are some old names. The, the pregame speeches have changed back from uh, when Paul Baxter was uh, was giving them uh, compared to when uh, the way they are nowadays. But uh, that's been the biggest thing, Bob, for me uh, getting into coaching. When I started, I was you know I had the opportunity to to play for some really good coaches in the American League. You mentioned a few there. Uh, you know, Todd McClellan uh, was one. Peter Laviolette was another. Uh, Randy Carlisle, a, a different mold with uh, how he motivates guys. So. Uh, I had that chance to play for some good coaches and see how they make their teams click and how to push players and how to get the most out of each individual. So that led me down this path uh, of getting into coaching. It wasn't something in my last year where I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm injured. I'm, I'm, I'm not at my top capabilities here. I should get into coaching. It was something I've always kept a playbook uh, as a player uh, was interested to see, as I mentioned, how the coaches motivate their team. So um, yeah, I, I was lucky played pro for 11 years and was, uh, it was fortunate to play for some really good head coaches at the time. You were a hard nosed, tough player in junior and a hard nosed, tough player, in the minor pros, the games changed. It's more about skill. And I mean, I was elated. The Oilers ended up getting Reed Schaefer out of the Western league. And I know you saw him. He played for Seattle just because there's, he's a unicorn today. There's not a lot of players like that left anymore in the league. Like when you no. played, everybody on the team would fight. Maybe you'd have two guys that wouldn't. And today, there's like two guys on each junior team that'll scrap. It's a completely uh, different time. So skill development's important. Uh, what about the, the messaging with the players and how dramatic that change has been in terms of, you know, three or four positives to one negative in terms of trying to drill down on points? Yeah, it's it's a balance. It's uh you know, when you're looking at developing these players, you're looking at putting them in situations where they can succeed or fail. And sometimes whenever a player goes out, it's the end of uh, you have a 6-5 a lead and you put out uh, a top prospect on the back end there to try to hold on to that lead and we get scored against. Sometimes the benefit and the learning process that you get out of that situation is, is even better than whenever he succeeds. So there's all different ways to reach these young guys uh, and to really kind of mold them and how the organization wants them to play, what their skill set is. Uh, and you look at this back end, Bob, there, there's some really nice pieces, again, depending on who's going to be up with Edmonton. But 
what I liked and what really jumped out to me going to development camp is there's a mold. There's there's sometimes when you go into different uh, development camps or training camps, you'll have uh, a five foot eleven guy, a five foot nine guy, a six foot six guy, a five foot eight guy. <clears throat> All these there's a mold. They're big. They're strong. You're talking about Schaefer as well. I saw him a lot in Seattle. Really good player. Uh, but there's a template on what the back end is going to look like yes. and what the front end is going to look like. And that's that's something that is is uh, impressive for me when I, in the short time that I've been here to see that. Well, Ken Holland talks about trees and, you know, the Oilers yeah. have Darnell Nurse, a six foot four left shot. CC six foot three right shot. He's not the most physical guy, but he's physical enough. Bouchard is is not overly physical, but he is six two. They re-signed Kulak at six two and a half. And they've got Niemelainen at 6'5", and DeHarnay at 6'7", and Samarukov at 6'3". And those are the closer prospects. That doesn't include, you know, Kesterling, who's 6'5", and Kemp, who's 6'3". they got a lot of trees on the back end coming, yeah. don't they? They do. You know what? I'm 6'2". I might have to get some lifts in my skates for uh, for training camp just so I can look those guys in the eyes. They're so big. Well, uh, no, and I'm serious about this, Keith, because you can handle yourself. Do you go to a guy like Nima Linen or De Hernay? Neither guy has grown up, you know, a lot. I mean, there, there's a lot of kids listen, or men, men listening to the show that are in their mid to late 20s that have never been in a fight off the ice or on the ice, right? Whereas a different generation, and I'm a little older than you, Keith, I got my ass kicked a lot, okay? And so you'll, you'll learn how to defend yourself a little bit. Uh, and I often deserved it, may I add. But uh, do you do you have that? Like, would the player need to come to you? Would, would, a, would a Nima Linen or De Hernay come to you and, as a coach and say, could you work with me? I know you used to do this when you played. Could you help me out so I know, you know, I'll use the term conflict resolution, all right? Not necessarily to fight, but to know how to protect yourself in those situations. Uh, does that does that occur? Uh, it, it does, and it's, it's, it's about building relationships with the players. It's about uh, me giving my input uh, at the right time with those players, and it's about building that trust, that relationship, and then the same, they're coming back asking the right kind of questions with myself. But when you look at defensemen, uh, and I'm still, I've watched lots of tape on these defensemen and, and how they play and things that they do well, things they need to work on, but still learning them, uh, learning what makes them tick. Uh, when you're a six foot six and a six foot four guy, you're going to have to have a little bit of sandpaper to your game. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. But uh, you also, you know, there's a reason they're drafted, there's a reason they're in the organization in, in today's game is a lot different than from when I played when you could be that, that more one-dimensional uh, player uh, and play those roles and, and, and that kind of style of play. So it's more of a balance now. It's, it's hey, you know, you're a big guy. This is what management wants to see. This is what Colin wants to see. And this is where we can help you. You're going to be paid X amount of million dollars to play this style, to get the pucks to the forwards on the hash marks, to get the pucks to the, the centerman in the middle, to be hard to play against in front of the net, to block shots and be good on the penalty kill as a six-foot-plus guy. Uh, so any tips and tricks I can, I can pass along from playing that style myself, uh, without a doubt, I'm going to help that. Keith, appreciate the time. Best of luck with the new position. We'll touch base down the road and see you at uh, rookie, uh, rookie camp uh, in Penticton in the fall. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Bob. You bet. That is the Edmonton Oilers' new assistant coach for the Bakersfield Condors, Keith McCambridge. We're going to take a quick timeout, and when we come back in Oilers now, we'll hook up with Pat Steinberg out of uh, Sportsnet 960 Radio in Calgary to give us a perspective on what Flames fans are going through right now. 
this really upsets me. I, I, this is bad. We got people that are uh, text us 780-496-0063 and said, Bob, how did you not bring up uh, the legendary fight that uh, Keith McCambridge and Brent Myers had back in the day? That was a draw uh, when Myers was with Lethbridge and McCambridge was with Swift Current. I don't know how I missed that. Uh, Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Uh, Jim from Rocky Mountain House says that, uh, Bob, it's all about profit. Having your AHL team in the same city uh, will affect uh, ticket sales. Well, okay, wait a sec here. The Oilers have the Edmonton Oil Kings here as well. Let's not forget. So keep that in mind. Um, again, you can text us, 780-496-0063. We might have to move Pat a little bit further uh, back. I'm just trying to go... Okay, he's still, uh, you know what it is? He's still doing another interview. So, <laughs> we'll, uh, what we'll do here, you call us when you are done. That's how that's how hot things are in Calgary right now. You call us when you are done. Oh, uh, and he's on, okay, call him right now, okay? There we go. Thanks, Derek. Again, you can text us at 780 Uh Al says, Bob, you ripped the Leafs for being the best team in Canada uh, the last five years running their lack of first-round picks. Just read Scott Wheeler. He has the Leafs farm system ranked 15th best in the league and the Oilers at 19th. Uh, food for thought. Yeah, the Athletics got a couple guys that do their thing. That's their opinion. I don't know if I necessarily agree with much of it or any of it at times when it comes to similar picks. Um, seems to be a little bit American-centric. Uh, with the, and they're not the only ones. There's a lot of that right now, and part of it is just the way the USHL pushes things. All right, we're going to head off to the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline. He's the most popular man in showbiz right now from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary, where he does a great job. I, I heard him after the Oilers knocked the Flames out of the playoffs. Very patient with his callers. Uh, Pat Steinberg is going to join us. He's our Oilers now headliner for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Pat, how you doing? I'm good. I, I don't remember the Oilers beating the Flames in a playoff series. I don't remember that. I must have wiped that from my memory. Uh, well, you did a, a, a you were very gracious that night with your callers, <laughs> and uh, you can tell you've done it before. Uh, we don't on just the, the nature of this show during the season. We, we generally only do calls. Part of it's because I'm on the road with the team all the time. I only do calls about once every two weeks, uh, and we have to sort of we don't, we do like lightning round. But you really let your guys. You got some good callers that night too. So here's here's where we're gonna go. Tell me, we know the deal. We had Eric Francis on a couple days ago. We had Sarah Valley on yesterday. How are Calgary Flames hockey fans handling Johnny Goodrow's? departure and perhaps the imminent departure of one Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's now turned into Bobby, a, a kind of a begrudging acceptance that this team that, that looked like it was knocking on the door to kind of be in a, a competitive window and fight it out with the Oilers and, and maybe golden Knights in the Pacific division for the next three, four, five years, uh, maybe that's not going to happen. And, and, you know, the first battle of Alberta in more than three decades. And, and yeah, it didn't go Calgary's way pretty decisively, but it still was a milestone. And 
you know, you're like, okay, well, let's see what happens in 2023 if these two teams play again. Maybe Calgary puts up a better fight, or maybe the Flames are able to beat the Oilers. And so, and, and so, but now you're like, okay, well, they just lost their best player for nothing, and now they're about to have to trade Matthew Kachuk in a deal that at least when looking for next season, almost certainly sees the Flames parting ways with the best player in the deal. So I, I think it's turned into a begrudging acceptance, but I also think there's a lot of frustration, and I think the frustration is being thrown around all over the place. Some fans are angry at Johnny Gaudreau. Some fans are angry at Matthew Kachuk. Some fans are angry at Bradshaw living the general manager, and and it's kind of turned into one of those scenarios where it's like, how did this go so wrong? How did it look like this team was on the cusp of being something that was pretty relevant for the next three, four, five years with this core group, and now it looks like they might have to go in a completely different direction. And I can tell you that behind closed doors, there's conversations about exactly what direction they want to go. And so now Flames fans are bracing themselves. Are they going to be in for a team that tries to stay competitive, but likely doesn't have the horses to compete with the Oilers and the Golden Knights and the Avalanche and the other really good teams in the Western Conference? Are they going to go and try and you know, bring in two NHL players from whatever team they trade Matthew Kachuk to and, and see if they can fight their way into a six or seven seed in the Western Conference? Or are they going to go in a different direction, get a little younger, and maybe look down the road three, four, five years to try to build themselves back to something? So it's kind of what we've turned to, what it's turned into is, okay, we know that Johnny's gone and they got nothing for him, and we know that Matthew Kachuk is going to be traded in the next few weeks here, but what direction is this organization ready to take? And until we know that answer, and I don't even know if the Flames know that answer right now, Bob. Yeah, um, wow. It's a, it's a really tough spot for Flames fans to be in. It's been a bad week or so. Yeah, I, well, I, and I have empathy, and we've been there before, right? I mean, now the Oilers sold Gretzky and Messier, uh, but they had to trade Doug White and Bill Guerin, two yep. American guys that loved playing here, but part, not because they didn't want to play in Edmonton, because of the you know they weren't making nine million dollars in the old Canadian assistant program days in Edmonton at that time, right before we had a cap. So. You know, Kachuk, from the moment that he took the fight with Cassian, and I was told he was going to take the fight by one of the Calgary players before it happened, from that point on, you know, forget about the turtle stuff and all that. Like, he fought everybody pretty much from that point on. So he's a hell of a player. It's a significant loss. Can Flames fans at least justify the fact that Kachuk's given them a complete heads up on this, whereas Goodrow walked them right down the path to the bitter end? Yeah, and I, I do think that there is a, a certain uh, subsection of fans who do feel like, okay, well, at least he's given us the heads up. At least he's given Brad Tree Living the opportunity to complete a trade, and maybe they can get some really good assets back for him so they don't run into a situation where, as you said, he just walks in free agency. And that's part of the reason why they went to this. Well, it's the main reason why they went to this team-elected salary arbitration is because if they did didn't their runway to make a trade yep. expired tomorrow so they needed to do this and now we found out that august 11th is kind of their their deadline to get a deal done because that's when the arbitration hearing is going to be we found that out today so i i do think that there are some who are 
pretty happy, or at the very least, happy is the wrong word, but at least they feel like he's done them somewhat of a solid. Obviously, you would much rather him sign long-term in Calgary, but if he's not going to, at least be honest with it, don't take the Flames for a ride. And, and I don't even know if Johnny Gaudreau purposely took him for a ride, but when it was all said and done, he didn't sign with the Flames, and he didn't tell them until like 12 hours before free agency opened. So at least this gives them a decent amount of time to make a trade and to prepare to make the type of trade that could and, and should be, Bob. This should be a franchise-defining trade and hopefully a franchise-defining trade that you know is more similar to the first Jerome McGinley trade as opposed to the second Jerome McGinley trade. That was a pretty good deal, the first one. Uh Pat Steinberg out of Sportsnet 960 Radio in Calgary. One final one for you. Are they in on Kadri? I think that they're interested in Kadri, and I think that they are waiting for Nazem to to make his call. But I, I was told a few days ago, like four or five days ago, that Calgary was unlikely to be his destination. Yeah. Um, and and that's not to say things can change because we've seen that before. And all of a sudden the player doubles back. It just, it feels like Colorado is the team that he wants to be with. And if they can do anything to make it so that he stays and it's not a complete underpay that he'd like to stay in Colorado, I do think the Flames have an offer on the table. I do think they're one of the teams that is presented to Kadri. I do wonder, though, going back to the first part, whether or not he would still be something the Flames went heavily after if they decide to go in that different direction. If when they make this Matthew Kachuk trade, they decide to go and get a younger player, a prospect and a pick as opposed to, you know, two NHL players or something like that. That's gonna be that's gonna be really interesting. So yes, I do think that they're interested in Kadri. I think they're interested in Klingberg. I think that they were uh, interested in Niederreiter. He was the guy they were interested in before he signed with Nashville today. Uh, they they've definitely had some feelers out to free agents, but so much of their offseason was focused on what was going to happen with Johnny Gaudreau. And then when that was figured out, free agency began in the blink of an eye. And now they need to figure out what they're doing with Matthew Kachuk. And that's going to hold up again a lot of other things they want to do. Because until they have a trade partner and a package and all that type of stuff, it's going to be hard for them to uh, to, to know exactly what direction they're going into. It's, it's a really, really difficult spot to be in. Well, you know what? Uh, as somebody who loves the Battle of Alberta, and I call it, I call it the Battle for Alberta, uh, I like Albertans. I, I want to see the two teams be successful. Make no mistake, I work for OEG. I want the Oilers to win, but I want Calgary to have a real good team too. Frankly, this sucks, and we've been there before in Edmonton. So, hey, Pat, let's do this again down the road, okay? Uh, I'm in, Bobby. Good to hear from you, bud. Thanks, man. That's Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. He is our Oilers Now headliner today for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk. W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Evan Cook. When we come back, George LaRock. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.